morning, church. You guys can take your seats. Thank you. I see my mother sat down first, but she's allowed to because she just got back from Zambia. Um, they also went on the trip, her and my dad. I'm so proud of them. Um, yeah, I mean, they actually, she's telling me they were walking, what, five kilometers in the sand every day? Oh, and um, they tell legends that when um, geez, they, they went on the very first trip, the very first exploration trip, took their three very young kids with them, um, which is cray cray. Um, but thank God we all lived. Um, at one point, the trailer detached from the four by four they were driving, and my eight year old sister got left behind for about 30 minutes just on the side of the road. Um, but listen, God is good. We're all alive and the Zambia project has grown and grown and grown. But I just want to honor my parents because it really is a part of their legacy and it's made way for like the Lucas family who've spent years and years sewing in there. And yeah, it's brought us all together. Paula Marinette, sheesh. Um, yeah, so I just want to honor them, honor you guys. Um, yeah, let's, let's give them a hand. In fact, both of these couples, families in the front. High-fiving. So before we pray, we're going to open up in prayer. I'm going to pray something specific. And you've probably heard me pray this before. And some of you might go, why does this woman always pray the same thing? Okay, there's a reason I, I do this. I want to, I'm going to pray that as I preach, God gives every one of us in this room a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Is that good? Because you guys don't want to listen to me for 20 minutes. And you don't want to daydream or for 25 minutes. Some of you are like, I'm going to hold you to that 20 minutes. Eh? You, you don't want to be bored out of your mind. You want to hear from the living God, don't you? I want to hear from the living God. And Paul says it in the Bible. He says, I'm praying for you all the time that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know me better. I want you guys to leave here knowing God better and having a revelation from heaven and aha moment, you know? It's like when you're first learning algebra, listen, I'm a huge nerd, I loved maths, um, but algebra, when you're first understanding X, Y squared, it's a very new foreign concept. And I remember being very frustrated in the beginning. I'm like, what the freak is this? You know, it doesn't make sense. And then suddenly it drops and it makes sense. And it's that aha moment. And you're like, this is easy, man. I got this. Anyone, you know what I'm talking about? That aha moment. We want God to give us an aha moment every time we sit in His presence. Amen. So we're going to pray for that. I'm going to pray for that. I want you guys to agree with me. Amen is just saying, I agree. Let it be. It's nothing weird or religious. So can we pray together? Lord Jesus, we love you so much. You are such a good God. You're such a faithful God. And there's nowhere else you'd rather be right now than in your house, in your presence. Won't you speak to us? Won't you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so we can hear directly from you? God, I pray I will get out of the way and your will will be done. That you will give each and every one of us an aha moment. Lord, you know our, our needs. You know where we're at. You know our hearts. Won't you speak to us and have your way in Jesus' precious name. I bind all distractions in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. We're going to get straight into it. We are reading from 1 Samuel chapter 16. Samuel anoints David. 
The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way because I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem and I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears, if Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and then I'll show you what to do. You, you are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord asked. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to, and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed one stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen him either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. And so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. And he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. And then this is where I want you guys to focus, verse 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. I'm going to read that again. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now we're in a series about encountering God, aren't we? And next week we're going to be doing our five by fives. We're going to be fasting. Some of us are going to be fasting food. Some of us are going to be fasting social media. But we're just, we're saying, God, we want to get onto your agenda. We want to hear from you. We want to be in your presence. We want to encounter you. And we're trying to get ourselves ready for that encounter. And I'm pretty sure you can all agree with me. Reading that piece of scripture, there was David, a young shepherd boy who had an encounter with the living God, Right? We can't deny that. It says the power of the Lord came upon him. He had an encounter with God. And if you look into the life of David, that encounter changed him forever. He was never the same again after that encounter with the living God. He starts off, he's the forgotten sibling out in the field. Seven older brothers, can't even imagine, only have one older brother. Imagine having seven and he's not even called in, you know, to this feast, not even thought of as an, as an option of being the next king. And then he has this encounter and we see everything starts to change when it comes to David. The next thing that happens is he goes off, he's still looking after the sheep and his brothers are fighting Goliath. You guys all remember that story. And he ends up taking the sandwiches, but instead of just taking the sandwiches, he ends up killing Goliath. We're going to go into more detail, but... 
This is all the result of an encounter with the living God, right? No normal person would have done what David did. You need to have had an encounter with the living God to do that. And then he's running from his best friend, Jonathan's dad, who's King Saul, who wants him dead because he realizes he's anointed as the next king. And he has a perfect opportunity to murder Saul, who's fallen asleep without his gods. And he says, I'm not going to touch him. God will vindicate me. And when the time is right, God will remove him. He had an encounter with the living God to have that much faith. This guy was trying to chop off his head. Everyone knew it. And he lets him go. He finally becomes king. He reigns and builds this massive empire. Does really, really well. Also does some really, really stupid stuff that we're going to talk about. But he repents. And then the way he ends his life is so beautiful. Because it's not really how you start, it's how you finish, and he finished strong. He left a legacy, an incredible legacy for his son Solomon, where he basically dies putting all of his personal wealth into building the temple of the Lord. They had just conquered um, the, 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 the enemies, oh, I think it was the Babylonians, and they had taken Jerusalem as their capital again. And now he threw everything he had, all his jewels, all his gold, all his wealth into building the temple of the Lord, even though he knew he would never see it completed. He did it for his son, Solomon. And that's how he ends his life going, I'm not going to live for myself. I'm going to live for the next generation. I want to leave a legacy for my children. Almost like we've just spoken about that so much, even on that video. What a beautiful legacy that gentleman has left for his children, for his wife. You know, that, that you could say, geez, you know, times are tough. Shouldn't he have put that money in an education fund for his kids? And instead he's building uh, roofs in other countries. No, he's building something with an eternal significance that's going to see people saved and trained up for the ministry. It's going to see heaven populated, hell emptied out. Oh, God is so big. I promise you his kids are going to get looked after. I've almost bawled my eyes out when that video played twice this morning because I know that God is going to look after that man and his children because he's setting up a legacy for the next generation, isn't he? Our God is so much bigger than a trust fund or an inheritance. If you can give your kids that, awesome. But you know what they need more than anything? They need a spiritual legacy. And that's how David ends his life. And all of this stems from this encounter that he has as a young, forgotten shepherd boy. Now, if you're wired the way I am wired, when I read this kind of stuff, I get excited. I go, Flip. The Bible says God is no respecter of persons. If He can do this for David, He can do it for me. Come on. If an encounter with God can change David's life, change the trajectory of his life, give him a boldness, give him a faith. If He can do it for David, He can do it for me. David's own words, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. This is the best place you or I could possibly be in God's house. Better than a thousand days doing anything else. That's what the Bible says. Better for your family than a thousand hundred million hours of counseling. Better for your finances than, than weeks of budget planning. Is actually sitting and encountering the living God. Do you agree with me or do you think I'm nuts? 
Some of you think I'm nuts. Just hang on. I'm, I'm going to build my case. Okay. Just hang in there. But my point is, coming to church every week should excite you. It doesn't matter, again, if it's pouring with rain, don't stay in bed. You want to be here. If it's beautiful and sunny, don't go to the beach. You want to be here. Why? Because God's presence is here and an encounter with Him can change everything. Your legacy, have an eternal impact. This is where you want to be, in God's presence. And why is church so important? Because where two or more gathered, there He is. And the Bible says, if you are planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish. Not if you visit the house of the Lord once a month. If you are planted, you've got to have roots. You've got to be, you've got to be really deeply you get what I mean? Anchored. You guys have got me just as laughing ahead of. I must be pulling funny faces. But you need to be planted, guys. And it should excite you. Every time you come to church, you should be expecting, what can God do in my heart, in my marriage, in my business, in my finances? It's God. He can do anything. That's what an encounter with the living God can do. So quickly, I've got five things I want to talk about that happened when you encounter God. And I hope that this makes you never want to miss church, never want to miss a quiet time. And I want to see you guys at the five by fives next week. Come on, it's worth it. The first thing encountering God does is that it establishes a deeper hunger for His presence and His glory to exist in every area of your life. That's a mouthful. I'm going to say it again. Encountering God establishes a deeper hunger for His presence and glory to exist in every area of your life. Let me explain my point. Anybody here ever had a Tim Tam? Ooh, yes, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, now, where's Lauren? I saw Lauren and Chad. We were talking about Tim Tams the other day. And I was like, guys, you haven't had a Tim Tam? They are these Australian biscuits. You'll pay them off for a while. They're so expensive. But you've got to experience the Tim Tam Slam. Because when we went to Australia, it was our first ever overseas trip. I think I just finished school. And like all over the Australian TV, they talk about the Tim Tam Slam. And you're like, what is this? They're mad about it in Australia. So we go to the local shop and they're so cheap in Australia. So um, we buy a whole bunch. And we try out this Tim Tam Slam thing. And oh my goodness. Let me just explain. So now they are available in the country. Um, but this, so you, you can just, just be, be careful what you are going to be getting into. But basically what you do is you take your biscuit, your Tim Tam, and you bite a section off the one end. It's a little rectangle. And then you bite a section off the opposite end. And then you take your tea or your coffee or your hot chocolate, your favorite beverage, your beverage of choice. And you dip the Tim Tam in the beverage, and you suck the fluid through. Uh-huh. And the minute you feel the liquid, you've got to be quick. The minute you feel it into your mouth, you rip it out of the cup. Because if you wait too long, it's going to drop into your cup and then you're going to cry. So you rip it out and you throw it in your mouth and this whole thing just melts. And it is heaven. Can I get an amen from Lauren and Chad? Because I had their first one last week. It is heaven. It's addictive. Once you've had one, you just want more. 
In fact, we, we had family in Australia and friends. Whenever they came down, they said, can we bring you anything? We were like, is that even a question? Can, they actually would bring us like cases of Tim Tams until you can now buy them here. Like I said, very expensive, but so delicious. But my point is, it's so good. You want more. You can't wait to get your hand on another Tim Tam slab. It's that good. Now, once you've encountered the presence of the living God, you crave it more than a Tim Tam. You were desperate for it. You don't want to do a day without it. And you want to see Him glorified every day because you realise, hey, it's not about me. I'm not just waking up today going, uh, I've got to work from eight to six. I just got to get through it. And I can come home, shower, put on my PJs and watch some Netflix. Can't wait to be in my PJs watching some Netflix. Any, any honest people? <laughs> and life can be like that. How boring though, because that's not what we were made for. When you've encountered the presence of God and you go, no, wait, hold on. This is about God. I'm going to have my quiet time this morning. I'm going to get into His presence. And then as I go into my day, this is exciting because I want to see God glorified. So whose life can I speak into? Who can I help God? Who can I pray for? Who can I invite to church? I'm on a mission today. It's you and me. This is exciting. You're so good. Everyone around me should hear how good you are. And it changes the way you look at your life. And David lived like that. He was never the same after encountering God. He became bold and hungry to see God lifted up. Psalm 63, this is David talking. He says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. In this parched and weary land where there's no water, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and your glory. And your unfailing love is better than life itself. Oh, how I praise you. Those words don't get written unless you've had an encounter with the living God. You've been in His presence and you want more. And we see it played out. He goes as this young teenage boy to take his brothers the sandwiches. They kind of mock him. What are you doing here? Like, you know, um, they gave him grief. They didn't really like him. Of course, now he's been anointed. They're like, oh, it's the big head. You know, like, what do you think you're going to do? And David's not even listening. He's just focusing on this giant Goliath who is insulting his God. He's going, oh, I thought you guys serve such a powerful God, eh? But you guys can't get rid of me. Like, come on, one of you take me on. Just one of you. If you kill me, we'll be your slaves. But if I kill you, you're our slaves. And there is the Israelite army, like trembling in fear. No one will take this guy on. And the only thing that David can focus on is the fact that someone dares to insult his God. He actually says this. These are his words. So you guys don't think I'm rude. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He is outraged. He's saying, how dare he insult my God? My God deserves to be glorified. He's big. He's powerful. That kind of boldness and devotion comes from an encounter with the living God. And then he goes, I'll take him on. How dare he? I will take him on. Everyone looks at him like he's lost the plot. Probably in 2023, we would have called the ambulance, got the psych ward on standby. But luckily it was in 2023. And he says to Saul, I'm going to go. Like, how dare he? 
And so Saul says, well, flip, boy, at least wear my armor. And he tries to put his armor on. David's so small and young that he can't even carry the armor. So they take off the armor. He's got no armor. Walks up to the giant. You know the story. He's got a sling and his stones. And he hits the first stone, square in the forehead, kills him. He falls over. And just to make sure that the job is fully done, he takes his own sword and chops off his head. That's boldness, right? That's passion. That comes when you've encountered your God and you know how good he is and you know that he deserves to be honoured and loved and fought for. You should feel uncomfortable when people say things about our God. It always blows me away. If you insult like the, the Muslim religion, like you're in big trouble, right? We insult Christianity and it's like, we need a few Davids, hey. I don't want to get into a war or anything. And I'm, please, I'm very anti the Taliban. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But, I, but sometimes I think we need to be a little bit more like, that's my God. That's my King. That's my Savior. He's good. He's faithful. He's powerful. The second thing encountering God will do is it will change the trajectory of your family and those closest to you. Encountering God will change the trajectory of your family and those closest to you. Again, that story couldn't be more appropriate. There is a church in Zambia in honesty, in, 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 in honor of that woman's legacy. And I believe there's a massive, massive blessing that's going to come on that family. I believe it. How do you do that in your grief and your pain? You've obviously encountered God, right? You have to have. And then you look at even David. He understood. Joshua 24 verse 15, it says, But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. As Christians, that should be our prayer every day. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And David, we kind of mentioned it. He's at the end of his life, he has messed up pretty badly. And God's forgiven him and there's consequences. And one of the consequences is that he'll never get to see the temple rebuilt. God tells him that. You're not going to see this new temple built. And it's going to be beautiful and it's going to honor God. But he says, it's not about me. It's about the next generation. It's about my son Solomon. And then he's got, like I said, all this personal gold and all, this, all these beautiful diamonds and, and prices, so much money. And he actually writes in the Bible, um, for time's sake, I'm not even going to read it to you, but he talks about it. And he says, God, how privileged am I that I can pour my money into your kingdom? He says, because who are we fooling? Everything I have comes from you and it's all for you. And this is my privilege. This is King David talking. He's going, God, I got this from you. It all belongs to you. I get the privilege of sowing it into your house. And he sows his diamonds and his gold into the temple. And he gets such joy from it. And you know who was watching him? Guess who's always watching you, parents? Always. Your children. Okay, my one's on the phone right now. (laughs) Service number two. But they're always watching, aren't they? And I believe... 
that David impressed Solomon with his faith. Like my parents impressed me with their faith. They did. That's why I talk about them so much. And also because I want to be their favorite daughter. I'm joking. I am their favorite daughter. It's not even a debate. Jokes. Totally joking. I'm the favorite. But um, when <laughs> my parents impressed me with their faith. There was nothing more important than serving God. I knew that. Nothing. That was, my mom would put me to bed at night and she'd be like, you just promised me. You just promised me. And then she'd start to cry. And I'd be like, oh, here we go again. You promised me that you will always love Jesus. Promise me. I was like, yes, mommy, I promise you. But I had no doubt in my mind that there was nothing more important to my parents than myself and my siblings loving Jesus. And when their retirement annuity got, oh man, they, stuff went wrong with it and um, they got their payout and it wasn't what they expected. You know what? They didn't complain. They didn't panic. What's going to happen to us when we get old? <laughs> they took that money and they bought a rubber duck to send very young teenagers down the Zambezi River to find um, people who didn't know Jesus. That's another story. We were on the river for about 14 hours. We were told it would be like a four-hour trip. 14 hours in a, in a crocodile-infested river with no torches. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We all thought we were going to meet Jesus that day, but we didn't. My dad was just screaming, we're in Angola, we're all going to die. But we weren't. But I knew that there was nothing more important than Jesus. I have a point. They impressed me with their faith. Why? Because they'd had an encounter with the living God and I could see it. I couldn't deny it. It was either that or they were crazy. But they were crazy in love with my God and it impressed me. And I want to impress my children in the same way. So we have Solomon, the next king. He takes over from David and God says to him, Solomon, my boy, you are the king. You can have whatever you want. What do you want? And Solomon says, God, I'm so young. I can't do this alone. Will you please give me wisdom to be your wise and good leader to your people? That's what Solomon asks for. Why did Solomon not ask for stacks of money and fame? And Because his dad had taught him that it's not about you, that it's about sowing into eternity, right? His dad had done it. He'd given all his treasure to the temple. His dad had set an example. So Solomon goes, I just want to, I just want to be able to lead your people. Please give me wisdom. And God says, because you have asked for wisdom to lead my people right, not only will I give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you riches and I'm going to give you fame and you are going to be the most famous king that ever lived. And that's what God did. Because you can't outgive God, right? You can't. You, you just, it's impossible. But he was impressed by his father's faith. And I just wrote this here, you know, David understood that, yes, he could have left all those diamonds and jewels to Solomon. And it's so cool if you can leave your kids houses and if you can leave your kids, you know, a financial blessing. That is very cool. But I promise you what's going to bless them way more is a spiritual legacy. It's parents who have put God first. Parents who have prayed for them. Parents who have given them hope. Parents who have spoken about God. Parents who have lived out generosity. That is the best blessing or gift you can ever give your children. Amen? Then thirdly, encountering God will heal the inner parts of your heart. I wrote this here. It's a hard knock life. 
It is. Life is tough. There are cyber trolls. There are um, trolls that, that you have to deal with face to face. I'm not going to repeat that on the microphone. <laughs> oh, my grandson name is Troll. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry, guys. Having a blonde moment there. Anyway, moving on. At my grand, I think my grandma might be sleeping, so it's okay. You're awake, Granny. Okay, she's awake. But it is hard out there, right? And it's easy to get hurt. And Matthew 11, verse 28, it goes, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I want to read that again. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. When you encounter God, you get rest. Some of you need some rest. You've got financial stresses. You don't know what to do about your business. Your marriage is in trouble. There's so much going on. You need rest. The only rest, the only true rest you're going to get is when you spend time in His presence. When you encounter the living God, He will give you rest. He's promised it. How do people have peace in the most crazy circumstances? Even that gentleman, you know he's been in the presence of the living God. David understood this. We have Saul again trying to kill him. Got the army after him. He has an opportunity to take Saul out. Come on, who would not have taken the opportunity? Are there any honest people in church today? You would have been like, you could totally, it's like, this must be God's will. I mean, hello, he's unguarded. Like, but he had this crazy peace that he mustn't touch God's anointed and God will take him out at the right time. And that's exactly what God did. That comes from an intimacy with God, being in His presence, letting Him comfort you. When everything is so stressful, 2023 is stressful, when you don't know what's happening with your job, when you're worried about your kids, Jesus will give you rest. And then number four, can I have the worship team up? Encountering God repositions you on the path He set for you. Encountering God will always reposition you. Psalm 32 verse 8, the Lord said, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Come on, isn't that reassuring? I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. He's got a plan for you. You might be sitting here and you don't believe me, but I, I, it's true. Before you were even conceived, God had a plan for your life. And it wasn't just a wake up, you know, do your 40 hour week, watch some Netflix kind of life. It's a life that has eternal value. It's got purpose. It's got destiny. It affects eternity. He's got an amazing plan for you. And you might have wondered far off it. That's okay. Our God is big enough to set you on the right path. David messed up so badly. He ended up having an affair with Bathsheba, making her fall pregnant. So he commits adultery, gets her pregnant. Then to cover up his sin, he gets her innocent husband murdered. He puts, puts him strategically on the front line in battle. So he gets killed. But of course, God doesn't let him get away with it. The whole thing is exposed. But the thing that was different between David and Saul was David repented. David was humble. 
David said, God, I am so sorry. And he bawled his eyes out. And remember that sorry is not just a word. Sorry means turning away from. So he changed. David changed. And he never did that again. Okay? He really was sorry. He was repentant. And he was restored by God. There were consequences. Unfortunately, him and Bathsheba lost their child. And um, yeah, and, he, and he, he never got to see the temple built. But God forgave him and loved him and restored him. And he got to lead the nation for many more years. And he got to set up his son Solomon to be the wisest king to ever lived. What I'm trying to say is, I don't know what you've done. I don't know how badly you've messed up, but God is big enough to put you on the right path. You have a destiny. You are called. You are loved. Like that song says that we sang. He will fight for you. There's no wall. He won't kick down to get to you. There's no lie that He won't shine the light on, bring the truth to, to get to you because He loves you and He values you and He's got a plan for you. He will fight for you. You are so valuable to our God, whether you believe it or not. I don't care what you've done. God has a plan for your life and He loves you with a powerful, powerful love and there's nothing His love can't overcome. And as we get our hearts ready for the encounter week, I'm gonna ask you guys to stand to your feet. We can just keep the worship chilled for now. I'm gonna ask you to stand. And we are going to worship God. We're gonna sing that last song again. But I'm really gonna ask you guys to worship. Because, and firstly, I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask you to lift your hands. Now, lifting your hands is nothing weird or freaky or religious. It's just saying, God, I surrender in this moment. It's nothing cultish or weird. You're just going, I surrender. That's all it is, okay? And I'm, you don't have to do it if you don't feel comfortable, but I'm gonna ask you to do it. And I'm gonna ask every one of us to raise our voices and worship God because He deserves it. I know you guys were screaming yesterday morning for our, for the box. I almost said the proteas because of my Nepal daughters. You guys were screaming. He deserves to be worshipped way more than this. Than, I was wanting to say the nice no, stormers almost. The box, damn it. This, you know what I mean. I'll chase away the anointing here. You might be in a great place. That's awesome. You should worship God because every good thing you have in your life is a gift from Him. If life is going great, say, thank you, Jesus. It's all by your grace. I need to worship you. If life is going good, you are so blessed. Say, thank you, Jesus, because He's blessed you. Maybe you are feeling so stressed and so nervous. It's your finances or your marriage or your kids. You need to run to Him because His presence will give you rest and peace and heal your heart. Maybe you feel so far from God. You're going, Leanne, you don't know what I've done. I shouldn't even be here. Oh yes, you should be here. God will chase you down until He finds you because He loves you and He made you and He's called you. So whatever place you're in, He deserves to be worshipped. So I'm gonna ask you to lift your hands and we are gonna worship our God. I'm gonna pray, Jesus, we love you. 
Thank You for loving us so desperately that You would go to the cross for us. God, thank You for sending Your one and only Son. Right now, we choose to worship You. We choose to lift You up. You know where we're at. You know our hearts. God, we praise You and we give You our all. Thank You, Jesus. Lord, we thank You for Your love that we could never earn, we could never deserve, but it's completely sufficient for us. We love You, Jesus. Just while we stay in this attitude of worship with every head bowed out of respect, I would be doing You the biggest disservice ever if I didn't give You an opportunity this morning. If you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you did a long time ago, but if you're not in a real relationship with Jesus, it is the best decision you could ever make. And I wanna give you that opportunity this morning because you see, you can't have an encounter with the living God if He isn't Lord of your life. He loves you. He wants you. He wants to do life with you every day. He wants to talk to you, lead you. But He can't if you haven't actually made Him Lord of your life, if you haven't actually given Him your life. You can come to church every week, but not actually be in a personal relationship with Jesus. And it was the best decision I ever made. And it's the best decision you could ever make. And as I said, you might have done it a long time ago, but you know you need to recommit. You've drifted away. So with every head bowed out of respect, I'm gonna ask you to boldly put your hand up when I count to three. Because the Bible, in the Bible, Jesus says, if you acknowledge me before man, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. So let's be bold about this. I'm gonna ask you on the count of three to put your hand up if you wanna give your life to Jesus. One, God so loved the world. Two, that He gave His one and only Son. Three, you can boldly put your hand up. I see that hand, that's awesome. I see that hand, that's awesome. I see that hand. Anyone else, just stick it up high. I see that hand, that's awesome anyone else best decision you can ever make just stick it up high so I can see it I see that hand I see that hand that's awesome come on best decision I see that hand is a God who loves you fiercely you were made on purpose for a purpose anyone else I see that hand it's awesome I see that hand anyone else come on I don't want you to miss out awesome okay church we're a family we're all in this together so I'm going to ask you can we pray together will you guys pray loudly with me all of us together dear Jesus thank you for dying on the cross and paying the price for my sins so that I can be your child so that I can be in relationship with you so that I can live every day with you by my side Today I repent of my sin and I ask You to be Lord. Thank You that the Bible says that I'm now saved and I'm changed and I'll never be the same. Thank You that You love me. Thank You that You've called me and You've got awesome plans for my life. And I never have to be without You. In Jesus' precious Name. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. All of heaven goes nuts when one person prays that prayer.